I would love, love to get my dad on Melomaniac. Oh my god, that'd be and fantastic. And have him fucking talk about music. Absolutely. With us. That'd be righteous. Because he always, you know, his he's definitely the Beatles era. You know, he was fucking 10, 11 years old. Mm. trying to tune in to the Chicago station so he could listen because there was only a handful of radio stations actually playing So he grew up in Chicago? No, no, like he... So I guess it was out of Chicago, but it was a nationwide station. Gotcha. And he's like, you know, on the farm, he said he he could just barely get it. So it would be like this balancing act of trying to to get the right radio station so he could listen to them them play the Beatles hour or whatever it was, the, the UK rock hour. But yeah, man, he came up with some, with some greats, you know, I feel like he kind of got into the, once it started getting into the 60s and stuff, and it was uh, a little, a little too, if it leaned too much towards like the Grateful Dead kind of hippie stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> then he wasn't down with it. Right. But, um, you know, Led Zeppelin and... Santana, stuff like that he was into. But I got him to listen to Tool once, and that was pretty awesome. He, like, actually appreciated, you know, I don't think he would go out of his way to <laughs> listen to it on his own, but I was showing him the art and the CD and everything, and he's like, this is what records used to be like. Yeah. You'd have, like, this thing that you could pull out oh, yeah. and unfold and look yeah. at it. And blah, blah. Especially their 10,000 Days records. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, that's kind of cool, getting his perspective. He'll always hate Pearl Jam, though. <laughs> he, he hates Eddie Vedder's that's voice. so funny. With a passion. He's like, it just sounds like funeral music. It's all just death and dying. Oh, we did a rock and roll camp at work this this past week. The theme was rock and roll, and then also, like, guitar jam. So, like, kids bring their guitars, and then, even if they have no experience, they learn how to play in a week. Right. A little bit, at least. And, um... The music teacher who was there this week played a whole bunch of stuff through the ages for the kids, you know, started with like the, the, the 40s and 50s and just played examples of music each day from different ages. She played Pearl Jam on Friday for them and they said, we don't, they didn't like it, they hated it. And they're like, this is country music. Country? <laughs> and I was like, the whole rest of the day, I was like, who said it? Who said it? This one girl's like, she's like, I said it. He sounds like, sounds like country music. Wow. Take that back. Take that you shit back. You hush your face. <laughs> Nobody cares what you have to say, millennial or right. whatever they are. Generation yeah, okay, Z at like this point. 11, yeah. 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 You don't even have a generation yet. She's Shut up. Zoomer. That's yeah. what they call it now. Oh, Zoomer? Zoomers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, a that's good one. our kids. Because of the proliferation of Zoom, mm-hmm. because it being that's in how the, they went to school. Being in the elementary school age, the yeah, around the, the pandemic. pandemic. Wow, so, I'm yeah. so out of touch. I'd never heard so that. So now we can say, okay, Zoomer, <laughs> we can ignore both our parents and our kids now with a very similar. I like it. Okay, Boomer. I like it. What is this you're listening to? This is um, this is an old song. This is from like. Oh, I want to say eight or nine years ago. The artist is uh, Subtract, 
and Little Dragon does a is the girl that's singing on the track. She's her own awesome artist who does a lot of electronica type music, okay. dance music. Um, I really dig her. But this this uh, this song and this album actually in particular, this guy came out. It was like 2012 or something. Some he came out with this couple of these tracks, and it was like just ridiculously catchy, like dance hooks and stuff. And I just one of those songs that's been like on every one of my any of my playlists. It's just like right now we're just listening to my like songs, which is like not a thousand songs on Spotify. Nice shuffle. So you'll hear anywhere from, you know. Now, can you like across the board? Can you like an album and it won't like all the songs, right? It won't add your all the songs on that album to the liked list. It'll just add that album. So you have a separate list list of just albums that you like. And then there's tracks. Okay, so you, you, you can you, separate your tracks by genre of music, which is pretty sweet. Okay. So if I go into all my like songs, it'll show up like ten different genres, and I'll just if I just want to listen to hip hop, I'll just press that one and then hit shuffle just, and just play songs. all my hip hip hop stuff that I like. Okay. See, I probably need to go back through then and curate it a little bit more because that sounds like a really great playlist to just kind of throw on. Yeah. Because I've definitely like like I'll go through and like albums. Yep. But then there are some albums where I, I've actually gone through and liked yes, like every song, correct, correct. But not on, not with the intention of like thinking, oh, this is yeah. adding them to my list. Yeah, if you like the album, it's just going to show up in your liked albums playlist, okay. not in your tracks, unless you specifically heart the track. You know what I mean? Right. Okay. So this week on Spotify Talk. Yeah, I can't we'll wait. Be I can't wait until they come out with their high fives, and I can discontinue all my other shit and save myself money. Um, and scale back on my monthly expenditures because I just bought another new car. Yeah. Of course, I'm sure you saw it in the driveway. I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh... That's our... Hey. An- That's my anniversary present, <laughs> I guess. Oh. Um, it's in- inadvertently the an- our anniversary <laughs> present. It just kind of came about organically because... Um, you know, her car was like giving us problems and she was worried about, you know, she's, she doesn't want to take care of things <laughs> and it's just like, it's wear and tear. It's like, you know, car was only four years old, but, oh no. um, I don't know. I just, she just wore me down. She was like, just, just go get it for me. And I'm like, it's so funny because when I want something, it's like, I have to justify a gigantic experience right, right. with all these different well, we can use it for this, and then we'll split it. And the you can, checklist you, comes out. You can and use you it. Get. Yeah, yeah. And then she has to come and come with me to buy it. But like with this, it was just like, just find money somehow and just go get me that car. Like that's what I want. And I was just like, wow. I was like, that is so easy when it's something you want. Like you don't even want to know any of the dynamics of what it's going to mean. And so, like, the agreement was that we had to, and it's so funny. I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast because <laughs> she doesn't listen to him anyway, so it's fine. Right. Um, so she was chewing nicotine gum, right, for, mm-hmm. since my daughter was born. So my wife quit smoking. My daughter's 10. Okay. And that nicotine gum costs, like, 200 bucks a oh, month, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah, dude. It's a lot. It's so expensive. And so I was like, well, you got to quit. You got to start vaping. I was like, sorry. 200 bucks a month is like, you know, it's like to make up the difference between our the car payment, your last car payment, and now this one. Right. I was like, that's going to cover almost all of it. And then we'll pick up 
you got to pick up an extra client or something with your personal training <laughs> in order for us to keep living comfortably. Sure. Because it's a huge expenditure. Like, a brand, that's, a, that's the first brand new car I've ever bought in my entire life. Like, the Stinger is used. The Stinger oh, okay. is like three years old. Wow. That was literally a 2022. It's the most sought after car in the country, in the most sought after color, in like trim and all that shit. It was like, it's ridiculous. They literally, they're on the lot for like a day or two and they're snatched up. Yeah, yeah. And the markup, is, well, the markup was eight grand. I was going to say, there's also a lot of, like, there's a lot of issues with new cars right now because of the computer chips. Like, the supply. Not, yeah, not being able to get the metal. There was for the... literally two of them on the lot and it was the only one for 75 miles. I had to drive all the way up to Northeast Philly to get it. To Keel on the boulevard in the northeast. It was like an hour and a half to get up there. Damn. And I was just like, I was there, I saw it, and I was just like, oh, dude, it was the easiest car buying process. When you buy a new car, it's so different than buying a used car. Oh, yeah. It's like so much less bullshit. They like, fucking roll the red carpet out yeah, for they're you. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, okay. And I was just like, I did you fucking champagne like, as you walked to the desk. Like, I got like two grand more than I should have on the trade in, and like, you know, I had to play around. Yeah. There really wasn't too much haggling going on, whereas like with a used car, it's like exhausting by the time. And then, getting it out of there he was like dude he's like he was like here are the numbers that you want whatever he was like just say he's like you know let me know he's like i'll have you out of here in 45 minutes and i was like sold <laughs> because i hate Done. being in that goddamn car dealership that's awesome so now <laughs> yeah so, no, so I- now i don't want to hear anything from her for like three years <laughs> on like anything <laughs> And you're going to have to take, like, you're going to have to do the oil changes and stuff so that it stays up with the maintenance. You know what I mean? Like, the wear and tear. Like, Oh, yeah. you got to focus on taking care of it. Oh, yeah. Because I... Yeah, because the last car she had, she let it run run dry during the pandemic. <laughs> and, it, like, all of a sudden, it was like, they took up, they're like, you have no oil in this car. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> I'm like, I have to do everything. But I think she'll take care of this one, though. Yeah, I got my two thousand really my two thousand one Toyota Avalon I bought in two thousand eight. And it was luckily it was a grandma car, you know, the just driving to dude, church that and back an and all that stuff. Now. Yeah, it is. It's a fucking twenty yeah, year old car, dude. And it was it is it is the uh like latest model I've ever owned of a car. Oh wow. You know, I went from like eighty four Honda to the eighty right. nine Oldsmobile right. to the <laughs> like all through the nineties and the early two thousands I was driving cars that weren't even from this this century. Right. So yeah, so the two thousand one Avalon had twenty five thousand miles on it. It was you know, started up and driven a couple miles every month. So it was in really good shape. Is an XLS, so it was also like the top of the line mm-hmm. one. You can't kill those Toyotas. No, dude. and I paid like six grand for it. Right. It now has 186,000 miles, and yeah. every time I take it to get an oil change, the guy comments. He's like, dude, you're here like every 5,000 miles right. on the dot. Right. And I was like, yes, I That's am. all you have to do with those cars, Because I just need it to keep going as that, long as it can. That's literally all you have to do is change the oil and filter on those cars and like, yeah, and do tune-ups every, you know, whatever it is, five, six years with, yeah. your, with your wires and shit. My goal. Tires. If I breaks, when I hit 2018, I was like proud that it lasted 10 years. But now I'm like, I, be, I wonder if I can push it, ride it out, <laughs> to try and get it's like 20 year old years car, out of this dude. Car. Yeah, it's mad impressive. Yeah, so I'm I, I am. All you're gonna get one of these new of cars now, and you're gonna be like, feel like you're in a fucking spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> Because of the technology now and like the cars, right, I bet it's sick. You ain't gotta crank it no more to get it started. Yeah, like 
if you got into like my car or my wife's car right now, you'd be like, what are all these buttons? What is, <laughs> what is going on right now? There's bet... a wireless charger in this car? Like, what the fuck? Oh my fuck? god. Dude, the thing that, so, yeah, just, so a little bit about the interior in this car. I bought, the only thing aftermarket that I've bought for this car was I bought a j- shitty JVC stereo. You know, I didn't have a lot of money. It was like 120 bucks. Yeah, a little head unit. Yeah. I bought a, a JVC stereo and I put a sub in it because the, sub, the subwoofer was blown right. when I bought it. It's like 60 bucks right. for a subwoofer. Um, and that's it. Nothing special. So you bought it and it had a subwoofer? It did. Well, because it was the XLS. It had five. Factory. Yeah, it had surround wow, sound in it. No shit. So it's got two. In the trunk? No, not like not like a big amp. Like, like just, underneath just your like, seat. No, j- I'm sorry, not not like a big woofer. Like right. just a a small sub speaker. Right. So it was just like there's there's no real extra power in it. Right, it's right. just it's delivering all the low tones. Gotcha. So there's there's actually two front speakers in the dash, two speakers in the in the driver's side and passenger side door, and then two rear speakers in the sub. So it's right. like six point one or whatever. Um, really, like, impressive that, that this thing is just kind of basic. Um, right now, though, the only speakers that work in the car, because they've slowly just been blowing and going out and just dying, because it's a 20-year-old car, the only speakers left that work are the left speaker in my door and the sub. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, like, listening to music in the car is atrocious. Brutal. Most of the time, I will listen to podcasts in the car. Right. Or, like... In, like whatever I can get away with because or or it's got to be music that I know so well that right, it doesn't bother like me body. that I can barely hear it. Oh my god, I would have I would so have, that's I'd have seizures. That would probably make me get a new car faster than anything else. Yeah, that and the well, fact you, that if you spend a lot of time in your car, yeah, it makes sense to make it a comfortable, nice place to be. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And I I know people like don't it's so it can sound really materialistic about having a nice vehicle, but does make a fucking difference like it's like it's like having a nice bed right you literally spend a third of your life there yeah i mean like for my job i'm driving all the time so like if i didn't have like a nice comfortable place to sit and like be able to just like some days i don't even care what what's going on because the sound system is nice Mm. the leather seats are nice the you know everything it's just nice it's a nice place to be i don't mind being there especially her car because I don't have to worry about, like, my car is tough because it's lowered. It's got, like, expensive wheels on it. I'm constantly worried about hitting shit. Right. I got the lip on the front. So it's, like, it's kind of stressful, especially if I'm driving outside of Chester County. Right, right. And then, but like, when I take her car, like, into the city, like, I don't worry about because it's a fucking tank, dude. Like, it's <laughs> it's got 20, 20 inch wheels on it. Like, I'm not worried about hitting anything. Yeah. I'm just worried about other people hitting me, but. Um, it's just a different, like, and it's nice being up high. Like, I never thought I would like trucks or mm, SUVs, mm-hmm. but I can definitely see why people get, like, hooked on it, because you definitely feel like king of the road type shit. Well, I drove, I drove a repair van for a couple of years when I worked as a, uh, an air tech, you know, air, air machines and vacuums at, right. at gas stations and shit. And it was, it was like that, you know, I didn't have any choice because it was a company van. Right. Really weird at first, but then, like, I got so used to it, that, like, sense of being up high yeah. above everybody yeah. else. And I had, like, it had, like, the big dashboard with, like, three cup holders and a plate and, like, a place where I would, like, charge my iPod because I was still rocking the iPod then into the stereo. And it was, it was like I lived in it because that's, that was my office seven hours a day. Right. And then drive time. Right. So yeah, I can I, I I absolutely appreciate having your car 
be a comfortable space for you to be. And I, I, I'm lucky now. I only drive half an hour to to work one, you know, one way. Yeah. But but it was definitely like being in a car in general was absolutely my first like real taste of freedom as a teenager. Sure. So I got my license when I was 17 and like I lived in that Honda. My mom didn't like to go anywhere. It was her car and she didn't like driving. Hold on. And get that out of your way. You're good. Um she had the Honda Accord, and she didn't really like driving. So when I got my license, they basically just gave it to me and was like, whenever your mom needs it, right. you got to let her drive it. And I'm like, great. Mom never wanted to go anywhere, so it just became my car. Right. And I drove that little Honda Accord into the ground. That thing died in Chicago when I went for my first college um, I had a 91 co-op Accord. job. Yeah. There, that was also was a great, great car. car. For, it, was, it was only four-cylinder. Yeah. But man, yeah, mine I was a four a, banger. Yeah. I bought a it's like 120 horse Pioneer tape deck for that thing. Oh, dude, that I, tape deck was probably worth more than the car. <laughs> I loved that. Did you thing. ever see the one that I had? I, I got it when I, I first. Think so. I think when I first got so when I got my license back. So I had three years. They took my license, and it was like I cried when I got my license back. Yeah, I would too. And uh, and I got it back, and the first thing I do because I had saved money to buy a cheap car, it was like twenty five hundred bucks kid around the corner had this 91 accord that was mint it was like perfect condition mm. that boxy like you know beautiful like clean style the early 90s had like the the seat belts like came forward yes. remember those when you closed the door yeah they yep. like attacked you oh god yeah and then he had he had cut the springs he had aftermarket really nice aftermarket wheels on it so it was like lowered nice wheels like and it had like the huge 212 inch subs in the trunk had a system oh like it was already just all kitted out for me tinted and I was just like and I think it had like 180,000 miles on it or something and then I drove it for like another 50 or something before one of the one of the pistons gave out and I mm. it would have cost too much to fix but it got me through like what I needed to do and then I got right. my, and then I got my Tiburon which I love too yeah man that was that was freedom though I was I was even 17 it took me a year to really get it because I was still, I was still pretty nervous about driving. Even though my dad spent so much time telling me the rules of the road, like since I was ten years old, he would you know just talk to me while he was driving about stupid shit that people did right. and why he did what he did. And uh, I was still the first of my close group of friends to get my license, so I was like the chauffeur. Right. But I love it, man. I love driving so much. I drive Mel everywhere. She hates driving, and I'm just like. I will drive the whole, you know, we go yeah. on a long trip. I'll drive the whole thing if you let me. Yeah, we just went to the Outer Banks, and I pretty much drove almost the whole way down. So did Krista and her mom. We let her mom have a break because her mom took, we took two cars. We took our Santa Fe, and then we took her Honda CRV or whatever, which is great. If you're looking for, like, a nice, like, four-banger, like, four-cylinder Crossover SUV. There's freaking. It's no wonder that they sell out. The, really? The Honda CRVs. Yeah. Man, the peppy, creative, en- huh? peppy engine. Like just very functional. Everything's very laid out really well. I was really impressed with it. I was like, this is a nice place to be. Like in that car. Right. And it's like very vanilla, very like boring, but like right. functional. Just functional like SUV. Well, I mean, now that we have the dog and there's five of us, like I'm. I am trying to figure out a solution for like a family truckster. You know, yeah. I was looking at 
wagons for a while because I really don't want to go the suburban route. I don't want to get like a big SUV. What is does she have? What does she drive? She has a Prius. Oh god! So yeah. right now, like that's yeah. we have room for the three kids in the back, but not for much longer. Yeah, if you guys go somewhere, you need like something to haul shit, man. Yeah, yeah, you need a big car. And I, I really want to avoid getting a fucking minivan. Well, they make there's no, dude, there's you, no storage. That space that thing's them. a seven passenger up there. What, what is it? It's a Kia Telluride. Okay. They, I mean, the SUVs are so seven have so much room now that yeah. it's basically a minivan. You know what I mean? Just doesn't look like one. Yeah. But they're just they're expensive as shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Santa, our Santa Fe wasn't bad when we when we got it. Like Hyundai is really bang for buck is like your best. I had my heart set on getting an Outback just because I wanted that Subaru. But yeah, they're really expensive. The new ones are, are expensive. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I have a buddy who but they're works really on, nice. Works on Subarus exclusively, right. which was I was like, this will be a great in for yeah. like maintenance and all that. And he's like, yeah, you're gonna want to avoid. 2012 through 2018 because the transmission's bad and you're right. gonna want to look into this for that and I was right. like whoa shit <laughs> well it's good that you have that contact because you know, yeah but yeah it's all about research man Whew. I started looking at shit it's expensive as hell I bought used cars my whole life but I was you know I was kind of looking forward to like maybe just once I'll get get a fucking car that's brand new off the lot or a certified pre-owned so you don't take the hit on the depreciation. Yeah, this is Gangstar. It's like one of my favorite rap groups Gangstar of all time. Gangstar is so good. This is actually my favorite Gangstar song of all time. Nice. Above the Clouds, yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember introducing this to my little sister, and she's like, to this day, she still thanks me. She's like, yeah. DJ Premier. I can literally just throw on like a Gangstar playlist and just that I can listen to it every day. I never get sick of it. Yeah, because it's just so it's such high quality hip hop. Like lyrics, beats, just everything is just so solid all the way through. And like. Everything everything about the two of them was so unassuming. Right. Like, they're not in your face. No. He's not, like, aggressive. He sounds relaxed as fuck. He's got a great the, voice. Yeah, but yeah. the flow is real natural. Yeah. And just... It's still hard at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love... I Hard to Earn was one of my favorite albums. I just started getting... Just started buying a bunch of vinyl, and I'm trying to go through and buy, like, my favorite albums. I was on that kick for a little bit. Yeah. So I finally got in utero. It's all. <laughs> I was like, this took too long. You're like, 180 gram German. I'm like, listen to this motherfucker. This <laughs> <laughs> sweet, sweet German vinyl. I think I have that album somewhere. Yeah. I just got, um, um, a Bleach is on its way. It's not even, like, a well-recorded uh, record. Yeah, no. But I'm, I'm like, I want it. <laughs> Yeah, you just I would it. get Nevermind too, except they're all fucking overpriced as hell. Yeah. It's like ninety bucks to get Nevermind. Really? I have a Nevermind somewhere. That's really? Like, yeah. Well, and like I, I'm, I'm very willing to get like a reissue of these things because most of these bands, I, don't, I feel like there probably wasn't in America a huge market for like vinyl right. in '91. Right. No. You know, Pearl Jam did it, and people were like, "You're lame. What are you doing vinyl for?" Yeah. <laughs> except for you know Pearl Jam fans. Right. 
but or like vinyl, vinyl fans. Yeah, but um, but yeah, it's. I mean, it's a the in utero is a reissue. But anyway, what made me think of it with Gangstar was I got uh, Return of the Boom Bap, which is my favorite KRS One album. Yeah. And it's like it's an album that fucking just sent me down a, a huge rabbit hole of discovering other artists that I like. Not because there's a lot of like featured on, but there's um, you know he just he just references a lot of other artists in in all his works, even if they're not you know on his shit. It's just like a history of of hip hop in New York. So and it's it's double double LP. So there's four tracks aside. Um, it came with a free seven inch, like a 45 that's got a remix of Sound of the Police and a remix of, fuck, what was the other one? Oh, um, um, god damn it. I can't think of the song. I know which one it is in my head. Either way, it's a good buy. Yeah. You're getting getting your money's worth. Yeah, and it's two remixes I never even heard. Right. Which is awesome. Right. Even with the internet, I had never heard either of these oh, remixes. That's clutch. So I'm very excited now. So then I started looking for like why Clef's the Carnival. Right. I was like, I want to get this album. Man, I forgot about that album. It's fucking expensive everywhere. God damn it. <laughs> I mean, it's not like I can expect to walk into. I mean, I kind of lucked out walking into Rainbow Records and finding. You know, I found Bad Motor Finger for 25 bucks, and that Helmet Meantime I think was only 25 bucks. <clears throat> so. I'll go back down there. Both, I'll, I both will, albums that I need. <laughs> I will text you when I'm back down there and be like, do you have this yet? Because if not, I'll buy it while yeah, I'm here. Both both albums are definitely on my list. Just because I'm the same way, I just want to have them just to have them. Yeah. Because they were, you know, they're, there's, they're albums that you just throw on, you don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. Just let it play, you know what I mean? And well, that, because it's nostalgia and also because you're supporting the artist. And yeah. it's like, you know. Well, Brian hit the nail on the head last time we recorded, too, when he said that, it, you know, it's... A, it's a ritual, right. which is something that I certainly know about vinyl in my heart. But when it when he put it like that, I was like, yeah, like that's exactly it. Because yeah. every single one of these albums, the first time that I've played it, yeah. I've literally sat right in front of you know in the stereo in the in the stereo field, sat right there on the floor in the library because we still don't have furniture in the library yet, and like just fucking listen to the whole thing yeah. front to back. And it's like it forces to, you to be present. Yes, yeah. and I used to do it all the time as a teenager when I would get a new album, oh, yeah. or or when I yeah. just wanted to be alone, or like yep. it. It wasn't just because I was driving in the car. It wasn't just background music while yeah. I was working on something else. Like yeah. I was flipping through the, the lyric book. I was, you know, that's what a lot of people don't get. Like guys that are CD, like audiophiles that are all about just CDs and flack and like highest level high res blah 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 bullshit where like everything's gotta be the highest level sound quality blah 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 like they're missing out on the whole point of what's become the whole point of vinyl is like we were talking about is that it's like a ritual and it kind of forces you to put aside it's a commitment yeah to sit and listen to a record the way the artist intended you to listen to it which is kind of a you know cool thing in our fast food gimme 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 I want it now right um, culture you yeah, know yeah. of like digital tracks singles yep. where people just buy one song off a whole album or don't buy it all and just listen to that you know what I mean or two minute YouTube videos that are literally reactions to music videos right like my kids watch 
people react to YouTube videos that they could just watch the videos on right. YouTube. And I was like, and I'm not gonna, I don't, I feel old every time. I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you watching this idiot fill his house with the ball pit balls? We're like watching like other people play video games on YouTube. Right. right. I'm like, why don't you just play the fucking game? <laughs> <laughs> and then watch each other play it. Like, Yeah. Get off my lawn. Yeah. I, I would say that when I listen to music most in the car is when I have the kids with me. Because they're captive. <laughs> it's a captive audience. They're hostages. Right. And I'm like... They they have a whole playlist on on Melissa's Spotify yeah. where they I think I might have even talked about this about before it, yeah. and I'm like I refuse. To You're let like them no, this is my car. We're I'm like no, you're gonna listen to this, listen to this, listen Correct. to this. But it's always it's always very active. Like I'm talking about the artist or like why I like it. Yeah. Or like finding out like do you want to do you want to hear more like this or is this not really your jam? Okay, that's yeah. fine. I got something else. Let's listen to this. No, I had to have a conversation with one of my kids the other day and it was serious where I was like. I don't know if it was my daughter or my son. One of them was bitching about the music in the car. And I'm like, I'm from the era of like, you don't, like, your parents are in control of the stereo. Like, that's their, you, right. you, you have no say. You just don't. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, kids now are like, they get in my wife's car and they're like, they know all the serious radio stations and they like the ones that they want and they want to, they dictate, like, what they're going to listen to in her car. And I stopped the car and I was like, all right, now listen. I was like, I know how mommy likes to do things in her car. I was like, but in daddy's car? I was like, we listen to what I want to listen to. I was like, and that's just the end of it. I was like, we're not, it's not a discussion. It's not up for debate. I was like, I won't play hip hop with bad words. That's the only rule because it it triggers them or whatever. Right. So I'm like, (laughs) so I was just like, and I said it very calmly and they were just like, okay. (laughs) Like you don't like, get a say. Yeah, I was I'm like, sorry. I was like, no. This is when Daddy's in his car. I was like, this is this is what I do. I listen to my music. Yeah. I was like, you don't have to like it. I was like, you can bring your headphones and listen to something in the car if you don't like my I music. Say that's what I did. I had to have my Walkman. You're welcome to, to do that. I don't care. I have two iPods that I let them use, so they don't have to use phones. So they have plenty of like they have nice. thousands of songs. Yep. From my personal collection that you can listen to on an iPod, you just have to make sure it's charged and make sure you bring your headphones. That's your job. Then you don't have to listen to my music. <laughs> no, it's awesome. I every once in a while, like as a palate cleanser, or if they've had like a really bad day, you know, like if we're coming home from school, I'll be like, Jude, you want to pick a song? I'll let him pick a song. I'm right. like, Will pick a song. Great. All right. Now I'm gonna play the rest of the songs. Yeah, you're a good dad. I should probably. Be, I, am. <laughs> I should probably be more like that. It's just, yeah, but it's really just more diplomatic. <laughs> I admire that. I think I think it's because I don't I don't try to do it to be a, like your an kids are a little bit older though purpose. too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I don't do it specifically to like hold dominion over them or anything either. It really is about like I want to share this with you right you guys get to tell you know alexa all the time what you want her to play right and uh when we're in the car like if they're you're gonna listen to it with me but it's because i appreciate it and i think they like watching me like i think they like watching me enjoy music yeah like my kids do too and they definitely pick up on stuff sense for them yeah i just think sometimes i'm listening to stuff that they just can't vibe with and then they're gonna Mm -hmm. try to dictate like 
Like, I'll be, like, getting into my shit, and they'll be like, Daddy, turn it down, or like, can we listen to them? And then I'm like, no! <laughs> no! <laughs> no, you cannot. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I definitely, I should have more of a diplomatic, like, more of a interactive approach to it, because I don't want them to grow up and, like, listen to shitty music, because then it would just break my heart. Because right. Because I hogged all the good music, and I wasn't interactive with it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely, like, try to get them to, like, my son has a beautiful Pioneer system up in his room from the 70s, and my daughter has a, they have two, they have their own separate stereo systems in their rooms with little, with nice little speakers up there, like. Yeah. And they don't listen to them as much as they should. Right, that's um, not really their thing. It's like a passing, th- I think when they get older, right? you know, you don't really get into music until you become a teenager and you have some angst. Yeah. Um, I remind pre-teen, Will. Pre-teen, you know. I remind Will My daughter's the getting there. His uh, iPod Touch yeah. is, like, I remind him all the time that it plays music. Yeah. I was like, remember, we make, like, a playlist together. Right. And it's, what's really cool is he really likes my music. Yeah. So he has tons of my songs yeah. on there. And most of the time that's what he'll play and listen to. Yeah. But then when he hears something he really likes, I'll add it to it. Like he got really into KRS one when I was playing songs for him and I was talking about, you know, like his history and how hip hop is you know, has changed over the years and all this stuff. So he got really into KRS one. I put a bunch of KRS one on his iPod. And um you know, he likes he likes stuff like Imagine Dragons and he's been into he's been really into the um, the Greatest Showman soundtrack. Oh god! He was like obsessed with My this kids movie. Are so obsessed with that movie. And he, he, I hate it. But like, I hate he, musicals. I do too. I really hate musicals. I really and do I too. feel like such a Grinch. I'm glad that there's somebody else that like hates musicals because like they look at me like, how do you not like this? Like. How do you not like musicals? Because yeah. like I just cannot stand musicals. Well, it's 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 pretty surprising too. Because as a as a sound designer in theater, right? People are usually like, "Wait, you don't like musicals?" And I'm like, "What? Well, no, I'm not." Because I'm a sound designer in theater. Like, right. really, the only musicals I like were movies that I saw when I was a kid. Right. It's like Little Shop of Horrors. Right. Grease, dude. I will. I will I watch. Grease. I will watch a chorus line. The movie and the musical, a chorus line, which is just about being a musical actor and having right. to au- and trying to audition for a show and all the bullshit you go through and everybody's got a story and all that. But like, I watched it as a kid and connected, like, had fun with it and connected it, so I can watch that. But like, or like, I cannot even Nightmare Before Christmas, some Disney stuff, Aladdin, like Aladdin, I'm yeah, into. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but. Again, it's it's all nostalgia based. Yeah. When I really break down what a musical is, which is like a story where the music helps propel the story forward and explain what the in more detail how people are feeling, I'm I check out. Yeah. And I check out because I would I'm I would rather to me it's like a um show it don't say it issue because if you if you have a a play, you have a theatrical piece and the story's moving forward and emotion is being felt, it's because the the writing and the acting and the directing is on point and they're telling a story in a realistic way that I'm connecting with and I understand what's happening. Yeah. When you have to break into a song to tell me how you feel about the guy who left you so that the play can continue to the next scene, that's when I'm like, this is lame! So lame. I fucking hate Hamilton, Hamilton, dude, I, you literally—I was just about to say, 
I mean, can we talk about the Hamilton it. phenomenon? We sh- certainly can because and how I, I don't get it. Much props to to Lin Manuel Miranda, like for for getting where he is and being as rich as he is right now. I can't. Ta- I wouldn't take that away from anybody, but like. My biggest problem is that somebody came to somebody told me that there was hip hop on Broadway, right. and I got super excited, and because Broadway is like, yeah. it, they call it the Great White Way for a reason, right, 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 and and it like, but when I but when I listened to it, I didn't watch it. I still haven't seen it, but I listened. You know, we were at a party and somebody had the album and they wanted to to play the album, so the music at the party was the the whole Hamilton score. And I sat there, and I was, like, kind of excited to listen to it. And as it went on and on and on and on, I was like, well, there are, there are hip-hop elements in this, but it's still a musical. Right. It's the same, like, musical beats. It's the same translation of <laughs> feeling into major and minor chords. Like, it all feels hackneyed, except the lyrics are faster. And there are some there are some musicals that, you know... I, I have watched and enjoyed. I took Melissa to see Once on This Island a couple of years ago for a Christmas present because it's a play that she really, really wanted to see. And I quite enjoyed being in the theater and watching like that spectacle. And the music was awesome because it was all like it was all island based and it was all very tribal and like it was it was good, but I still wouldn't go like see it again on my own. Or like buy the the soundtrack or anything. I'm such the odd man out in my house when all that shit comes on. Yeah, I'm like, I just it's the easiest way to clear me out of a room is to put on a fucking musical. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just well, have it, no tolerance. Yeah, it's like no. it's up there with like country music for me. It's like I just nails on a chalkboard. Yeah, I don't know why. Like I really wish that like I was more open minded about it, but I just I can't. There's some things I won't budge on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also one of the prime inclusions of a of like a like a white girl Instagram when I'm on it as like is Hamilton comes up all the time. <laughs> Maybe it's just the circle that I you know follow. It's on just Instagram. a very popular like basic white girl thing to be popular about. And, yeah, you know, it's like going to Nashville and getting your picture taken in front of the wings on the wall or whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> it's almost like they were paying white women at one point to go down there and do that. Yep. It's, like, insane. Yeah, yeah. We actually learned about... Now I can't remember her name, that artist's name. But we did a mural camp at Darlington, too, and and taught about that. It's funny. It's so funny how that shit catches on. Yeah. And it's, it's very similar because real muralists can't stand that chick. Right. Like, they hate the fact... That she has gotten wealthy so popular, by painting yeah. wings on walls that yeah. people stand in front of. <laughs> it's really stupid. It's like what, like I don't know. I try. I I'm try. Just and mad think I about, never thought of it. Right. Well, and I'm also. I always <laughs> exactly. I always. Why can't I think of something horribly popular? I'm like, what did I? What was I into when I was a kid that was you know fucking stupid that people thought was you know ridiculous? Because I was, I don't know. You know, maybe it was maybe it was like Star Wars because I was I was crazy about Star Wars, but it's it's a it's also been a phenomenon. So like, were there really people who were like, this is like this is lame, this is a lame thing to like? 
or how could how could somebody get rich doing this you know that kind of like yeah. attitude um i have to imagine the first time somebody saw like pong on an atari they were probably like what what is this why is this right. a thing right but everybody else was like, look, you can control the rectangle. Oh, yeah, it was like mind-blowing. You can move time. it up and down and practically play table tennis. Yeah. Now we got fucking virtual reality. Right. It's like light years. Yeah. I want to get into a place where we listen to music the same way that... Um, and I don't know if it's possible, and I'm not even sure if it's worthwhile, but there, I have video games now that I can play. I have, you know, 3D headphones... And not every game is designed this way, but there's a game called Hunt Showdown, and the sound design is phenomenal. Everything you do makes noise to some degree, and it can be heard, like gunshots can be heard clear across the map, as if, you know, like, the distance factor matters. So there's, like, this crazy echo. And the headphones, it was recorded by Gnarl, with, like, one of those head-shaped... It's literally two microphones that function exactly the way our ears do. And so they recorded it in 360 to the point where you, you just with regular headphones on, you can hear when shit is behind you or, like, just above you or under you. I forget. What's the definition of binaural? It's, it's, it's like a... It's, the, it's basically the way our ears hear. I can't think of a specific definition right now, but it's like... We hear in stereo, but we hear in like a 360 degree stereo. So binaural is basically like, because we have a right ear and a left ear, when you hear something, your brain connects, like I heard it here and I heard it over here three milliseconds later with a slightly reduced volume, and then it puts it into a point and tells you where it is. So it's like a form of location. It's like a form of echolocation. Sure. But it's just... It's how you recognize where sound's coming from. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, So, So these headphones are fucking wild, and it's great to play the game. You can't play the game, even in a 5.1 surround system like I have in the house. It's not the same as putting the headphones on. So, like, I want to get to a point where... I, I'm sure there is music that is mixed this way, but I, I'm not even sure whether it would have a benefit. It's just kind of something that came to mind that would be interesting because when you sit in a room with a good system like this, yeah. and you can hear, you can pinpoint where something's coming from, and you're like, the voice is like right here, and the guitar is here, yeah. and like the snare is popping over here. Yeah, exactly. Imaging. The, yeah. the, the imaging from, right. you know, the, the toms goes around. I just imagine having this like 360 degree um, sound system that you can sort of take everything in. <laughs> and oh. could you like. Oh, it's coming. Yeah. I would just that that would be the only way that Tool fans listen to Tool from that point out <laughs> would be to hear Danny Carey's set his drum set all around you in 360 degrees. You should turn your liked songs into a playlist. It's uh, it's pretty good. We've just been jamming. Yeah, there's been some good stuff. That's why I kind of like it, because a lot of times what I do is I'll like songs when I'm in the car or when I'm doing things, and then I'll forget about it, and then I'll go back to my liked, liked playlist, and I'll just hit shuffle, and the uh, shit will pop up, somebody, and I'll be like, I'm like, 
this is I have really good taste. Like I'm like this is really jamming today. Yeah, like I literally I had my buddy over last night. This guy, so I I didn't tell you I started doing um, mixed martial arts. I started doing kickboxing and Muay Thai. Sweet with uh, a mobility coach and like he's was a former cage fighter. Uh, his name's Damn, that's Daz. awesome. Yeah, so uh, we had sparring and uh, kickboxing last night, and then after we were done. I invited him back here because he was like, oh, I'm not doing anything. And, and I had him over out on the deck to, with the fire and we had cigars and shit. But I had my setup out on the deck. And I just, you know, I don't even think about it. I just turn it on and I hit like songs and just shuffle. And usually right. it's never. And he was, he mentioned, he was like, he's like, I've heard a lot of good music tonight. He's like, what is that about? And I was like, oh, you have no idea. <laughs> you don't even know. He's like, you don't know the rabbit hole that you just stepped into with that one. <laughs> <laughs> but this is actually this song You're is like um, I didn't even push you in that direction. I just I left the door we open. We should talk more about the music since that's what we're here for. No, this we're is We're just kinda like just going. We're just kinda flying through whatever. <laughs> but um, it's connecting. We yeah, connected yeah. music in the Yeah, cars we're going back and, and forth. I'm trying to keep a rain on it. This was from so I got into this um this guy called Quantic, who is a Oh, that sounds him, familiar. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like a producer of tons of Across the board, mostly R&B and hip-hop and um, Spanish, like, Latino-type infused uh-huh. music. And there's a, literally this playlist on Spotify called This Is Quantic. And it's, like, one of my favorite playlists because it literally takes all of his music that he's worked with people on. And it's the most eclectic, like, just all over the board. And this is, this is one here. This is uh, Spanky Wilson. And it literally sounds like... It's just the most perfect wrong remote. <laughs> Don't joke with a hungry man. Like it sounds straight out of Motown. Yeah. Like it's it's just killer. That bass line. Horns. That's awesome. Just tons of really funky hooks and beats reads and, in there um we've already heard like three songs by quantic already though just sitting here like because i liked so many of them off that playlist um and a lot of the Afrobeat stuff that i've been listening to um this i think this is one of them this actually might be from uh the quantic yeah this is the quantic playlist so uh, you go from that song which is like a motown vibe and then you go to this, which is like a ska reggae type vibe with a totally yeah. different band called Flowering Inferno, but Quantic is the producer right. on all of them. And he just has like his hand in everything, and it's like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, That's awesome. This is such a crazy range of music, but it's really good shit. Like, I'm sitting here, I'm like, this is, every song is good. Oh, man. It was a huge rabbit hole. That's dope. No, I will have to go down it because, uh, you know, this is what I would, in my perfect world, this is what I would want to be. I would want to be, a you know, that producer that's able to work outside different genres and, and bringing my flavor to everything. Right. But also letting their, you know, their sound be what drives it. Yeah, this is Quantic. And then my, my buddy, John, who's a DJ, who introduced me to it, I heard Quantic stuff on another album, and he was like, 
He was like, oh yeah, that Quantic produced that album. He was like, you should check out this playlist that I made on Spotify. So he has his own best of Quantic playlist, and nice. I have this one that Spotify put together, and I just kind of like go back and forth between the two nice. of them. Because one has stuff that the other doesn't have, you know what I mean? And I literally, it's like, re- it's really good driving music, because I can just throw it on and just... Mm-hmm. No, I like it. I'm digging the vibe. And it's like good at parties because people will be like, "What is this?" <laughs> I will now sell four copies of the band yeah, band exactly. Band. It's just like that. Mm. Yeah, I've been listening to a lot of um, Afrobeat and Latino infused music lately. Like, nice. I seem to be on like an electronic stuff. I okay. seem to be on that kick right now. Hip hop. Like, I've kind of fallen out of favor with, like... Today was the first time, I, like, listening to Blind Melon when you came in. It was, like, the first, like, rock music I've listened to yeah, probably yeah. in a couple weeks. And that's just how I go. I just go through those phases. Yeah. Cycling through. Yeah. Well, with 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 my seeking out... Um, with my seeking out a bunch of uh, vinyl, you know, my favorites from the 90s and stuff, um, I've been... Revisiting a lot of that stuff, so I, I also have now I have um, Downward Spiral on order, so it's Ooh. on its way, and I found it for That's a, be such a gorgeous a damn album, good price. Have. Oh my god, dude, I'm so excited! Literally, that album cover, like the artwork, even on just on the CD, yeah. was so beautiful like, and, and just disturbing at the same time. And it had the pullout. Yeah. Remember, it had like the cover, but then it had the skinny jewel case with the the whole like booklet in yes. it. No, I cannot wait. It was it, like one of my favorite CDs ever. It, it's a double LP. The presentation. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely one of my top tens. Yeah. So I'm excited that that's coming. Like I said, Bleach. But I also, what I've been listening to a lot on Bandcamp, um, I've been cycling through a lot of local bands or, like, debut albums. I'm just kind of feeling the tubes more than the solid state today. I don't know why. Yeah. Because we were listening. The big speakers are hooked up to the um, my solid state Emotiva amp, which is, like, 150 watts a channel going into that with a tube preamp. But, like... Uh, I've been really digging these heresies, these smaller speakers paired with my my big tube amp lately. Well, I like I like the way it sounds. I really do. I think like especially up on the lift, like up off the floor. Off the floor, yeah. Once I got so them good. off the floor and then put them into the kind of the little corners there and backed them up because I had them further out in the room. Right. And I felt like they were there was just something wasn't clicking and then They've literally been there for a month or two, and I haven't touched them because like, I was just like, I'm just going to leave them there because right. for whatever reason, right here with those speakers right there with that amplifier, it really works well, um, which I'm glad because like I wasn't giving those speakers a lot of love because yeah. the big KLFs were getting all the attention. Right. You, know what I mean? <laughs> you mean the ones you said you were going to be buried with? Buried with. How do you think the smaller speakers feel they when they They were getting neglected. They really were. <laughs> Yeah, no, you have you have such great discipline for that kind of thing. I am I need to like fix it, fix it, fix it. And I will troubleshoot t- like overextend my troubleshooting to the point where I start like trying to fix two things at once. Right. And then you don't necessarily know what's actually wrong with it. You know what I mean? Like I would have moved the speakers out and then back and then, you know, set them up higher. Right. So you have you have fantastic discipline for like I'm just going to let this sit here for a little bit. 
until I decide what I'm going to do next to change the sound. And then you do that little thing, and then you sit with that for a while. And like, Yeah, because you, you kind of have you, to let it sink in. Yeah, you yeah. have to let your... Not even just your ears, but like your environment adjust yeah. to being used to hearing it again. Like, how good does that sound? It's pretty good. <laughs> Probably in my top three favorite R.E.M. songs ever. And I'm a huge R.E.M. fan. Yeah? Huge R.E.M. fan. I could literally do a whole podcast on R.E.M. It's funny. I never got deep into them. I had... I liked uh, Out of Time a right, lot. Right, And, um, you know, all about losing my religion as a song. Yeah. But I just never got, I never got really deep into it. I had Monster. Um, and I, and, their and I early stuff is earth shattering. Like, their yeah. first, like, on their independent label before they signed with Warner or whatever it was, the IRS days, they call it. Oh, shit. IRS Records. Yeah, yeah. Um, from Athens, Georgia. Okay. Which is a local... I know. thought you meant literally, like, they no, were no, having no. problems was, with was, the was international the name of the little, tiny service. little label that they that they were first on when they were uh. an indie rock band and college radio. And I didn't get into that until later, because I grew up with um, Automatic for the People, which is probably my favorite, just Automatic. because that's the one that has the most nostalgia for me. And Monster, and then New Adventures in Hi-Fi, and then Up. Literally four albums, back to back to back to back, just like, for me, like, that's where it was at. And then after that, I kind of, they trailed off. But then I started getting into their 80s stuff. I mean, early 80s. Like, they've been around forever. And the, the music is so different, but so punk rock, like, just very fucking so original like mm-hmm. stuff that like nobody else was really doing and it was the reason why they were they were the number one college band like huh. literally built their reputation on live shows through college yeah. playing college radio circuits and see i wonder you know when we talked about this with you too a little bit because i i am not a u2 fan necessarily right, but i right. don't and rem's always kind of been that same world well, where I'm like huge band where I'm like I totally understand why people like it but I never got into it right. and so I never you know I never listened to it then probably, probably because of, it wasn't heavy enough because of their immense it popularity was, yeah too, right? yeah true because if you were like me back then you were snobby and you were like mm, right think popular well, I know what you think me. except for Nirvana I made right, the excuse right, right. I was like well they're just popular well, Pearl Jam yeah and Pearl Jam they're stuff. fine too yeah and, <laughs> Pearl Jam's not really popular. They're the most popular band in the world for like five years straight. Yeah. They wear flannel because they they're not like out. rich. They're yeah. not sellouts. <laughs> like I totally, looking back, I can see how stupid my elitism was. Yeah, but it, it did it did keep me from enjoying a lot of stuff. So I had no choice because I was lucky enough that my mom listened to the same type of stuff that I listened right. to. So she was listening. She introduced me to eighty eight five, XPN, mm-hmm. and all that, and college radio. So like. They love R.E.M. So, like, I was always exposed. And my mom, I remember when she bought the, the cassette of Automatic for the People, and I stole it, and just, I, <laughs> and I played it until I wore it out, because I loved it so much. So that was Everybody Hurts. What else was, was banging off Automatic? I don't remember. That it. entire album, front to back. Yeah. All right, so now we're going to have to get... I meant from a popularity standpoint, like, what would I have known? Because I really, I really did only own Out of Time and Monster, were the only two R.E.M. albums I ever owned. Yeah, Monster's great. And I loved Out of Time, but it was more because it was very singer songwritery. You know, I'm not a big fan it of that felt, album. It felt almost country. 
it's definitely different. I don't know. Yeah. I like their stuff, like, Green and Autumn mm-hmm. and Out of Time. Like, that was when they got popular, like, when they signed to the major label. Mm-hmm. But their early stuff is, like, so original. And uh, I actually have mm-hmm. Murmur mm-hmm. and Reckoning on, and uh, Fables of the Reconstruction on on vinyl because they're so good. I've never heard so of good. any of those. Because they're so good. <laughs> I've never heard of any of them. Yeah. I mean, their first album was like what? Document in 1987 or something. Never heard like? of that either. Which we've also learned from this show. No, no, no. Doesn't mean anything. Their first one was Murmur. So like, which I have on vinyl and I love it. And Reckoning and Fable. My their first three albums I have on vinyl and that says something. Because I don't it have does. I don't have Automatic for the People, Monster or, um, any of the other ones on vinyl. Mm-hmm. I think the only ones I have are their old shit. And it's because nice. they're that good to just go through. Um, one track after the other. Yeah. Well, I always, I always appreciated um, Michael Stipe for the fact that I didn't think he was trying to pretend to be anybody. Yeah. But his own weird self. Yeah, this doesn't even sound like REM to me. <laughs> Radio Free Europe is like one of my, probably in my top three as well. The melody and the drive, the beat, and like just—they're like, so. They were such a tight band at such a quick time. Like, like I can definitely hear his voice and know that it's him, but I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. He guessed takes this. the back seat to the music. Yeah, it's all Mike Mills, dude. Yeah. Did they? Are they broken up? It says was an American rock band. On yeah, they broke up a couple times. Okay. But yeah, they broke up after 2008. From Athens, Georgia. Yep. All right. Automatic for the people. Show me this song list here. Drive is great. That's yeah. the one that got popular. That was their first single off the album. Was Drive. Okay. Everybody hurts. Everybody hurts. Man on the moon. Okay. Sweetness follows. Man on the Moon, Night Swimming. The whole album just flows so perfectly. Okay. It's literally one of my favorite just put on and listen to albums. I have to get it on vinyl. Because it's literally one of those albums I can just throw on and not not want to skip a single song at all. Right. Yeah. No, I you know, I only recognize like the, the big singles off that album, so I don't think I ever even owned it. That might have meant it to be a, a Spotify journey. You see, Monster, I remember. That was What's the Frequency Kenneth, right? It was the first track. Yep. Star 69, I remember. Bang and Blame. I love that. It's such an underrated... People hate that album. Huh. Which I, I don't get. Was it just a departure for them after? Yeah, because it was automatic? all buzz and feedback, and like it was very sure. like loud and um, just yeah. not what people were used to listening to. Later, automatic for the people was such a different album. A document. Fables of the Reconstruction, also known as Reconstruction of the Fables, that's a great album. Is the third album? <laughs> I actually just I I didn't even it was never on my radar. 
mm-hmm. and then I was at a record store and I saw it there and I just bought it because it was cheap mm-hmm. and I brought it home and played it and I listened to it like three times in a row like nonstop and I was like what the fuck <laughs> like how have I not been exposed to this before that's a good that's a good um... his voice on this album was when he just like yeah whole another level like well, they really push it more than the other. The production one, it value like. on this album is like miles ahead. But this was not a popular song. This was off Automatic for the People, but it's one of my personal like favorite songs because I think he's one of the best lyricists. He's up there with like Ani DeFranco and like just okay. so clever and powerful, like wow. Ben Gibbard, that type of lyricist. You know what I mean? I still get goosebumps listening to this album. Like right now, this I is get, really good. I, I this sounds goosebumps. great. Well, this is off of Fables of the Reconstruction. Okay. Which is one of the first old R.E.M. songs I ever heard. My mom had a mixtape from a friend. And she it was just R.E.M.'s. Actually, no, it was R.E.M.'s. They put an album called Eponymous. So it was a collection of all okay. their early albums off of the IRS recordings put onto one album. And it was the first time I heard this song. And I was like, I remember just being like, listen to this nonstop because it's such a great... His bass, the bass guitar is just... It's good. The early stuff is so clean. It's good. Well, you can really hear how different the production is. But it's nice. It, it's, this almost, it's raw, but it's still good. Yeah, this yeah. feels... But it feels more, uh, like, unified. It feels more like people playing in a room together. They just put everything together so well. They're so tight. Definitely in my top five favorite bands of all time. R.E.M. Easy. All right. You know who, like, the Gin Blossoms very much remind me of, like, uh, a, a next generation of, of this kind of sound. And I hated them for a very, very long time. Yeah, you're, push- you're triggering me with that one. No. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it together. <laughs> no, I mean, like, like they took this blueprint and yes. added a oh, tambourine. Absolutely. They stole I, everything from I mean. these guys, yeah. <laughs> let's just yeah, let's get yeah. that out of the water right now. No, I um I mean I hated them with a fiery passion and it, it took hearing uh, an acoustic version of Hey Jealousy to actually appreciate that song hey and, and be able to listen to it again. Oh. <laughs> God, I used to cringe. <laughs> I had that album too. Yeah, no. Well, so did I. I had that CD. So did I. No, it, it really was like I had to hear they just an acoustic so version for, to, to be able death. to listen to it again. But yeah, there's something about, especially in that time, I I bet I bet you could line up all the music that was popular from 91 to 95, and I could show you that I only liked stuff that used chords. Yeah. So like the the actual like riff, like playing a riff, so few bands... Like, even stuff like Aerosmith, stuff like that, I never got into it. Yes. I needed that, like, I needed that crunch. Like, the chords, the power chords, bar chords, like, whatever it was. So when somebody had, like, a riff, I probably wouldn't be into it as much at the time. That could be, like, a whole podcast on, like, bands, cringe bands from the 90s that, like, you listen <laughs> to now, and you're like, but, like... In their own way, they were still had like some 
type of redeeming qualities. Yeah. You're not, you're always like, you're kind of on the fence. Like, what, is it cringe or is it like, can yeah. I allow myself to like it now? Can you know I, I mean? come back? Well, like I have the Spin Doctors about, is a perfect example. Spin Doctors is like, a great example. That album, in and of itself, is a really good album. It's just that that it's guy and, and his right? image <laughs> and like that video and the hat and the hat. Oh God, the hat! Literally got it rammed down our throats <laughs> and made you hate them. Yeah, like their image made you hate them. Yeah, but like the first time I heard Jimmy Olsen Blues, I was like, "That's a really fucking good, catchy song." Like. Yeah. The lyrics are really tight. Like it was a very well written pop song. Blues Traveler. Uh, I I still like Blues Traveler. I really, don't, I don't feel cringe about them oh, at all okay. on any level. They were cringe for me. I saw them live and it was one of the best concerts I've ever been to. We might have talked about this at one I point. I was on too. a hit acid and it was like one of the best concerts <laughs> I ever did. In my, I literally danced the entire time. It was three hours. <laughs> that guy did not stop for three hours. He was amazing, amazing. Well, I, I mean, I can understand that. They hit Aston probably about 12, 12 beers. But it was like, it didn't matter because the music was that fucking good. Like, it was just so good. His harmonica live, it's like a, it's so loud. Like, it's crazy. Like, yeah. the, the, the pipes on that dude. And they were a lot of fun. But I get how people can be like, oh, man, Blue Star. Yeah, no. They're, they were just in that, in that Gin Blossoms, Hootie and the Blowfish world. Oh. Oof. Hootie. Oh. I think Hootie and the Blowfish is probably still cringe. Still cringe for me, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and then he went on to become a country star. Yeah, yeah. Which says a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't. That totally made sense to me. Yeah. When that happened, I was like, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> like, this makes perfect sense. Yeah. Awful. Darius Rocker. Yes. And then you go to this, which is from New Adventures in Hi Fi, which okay. came out right after Automatic for the People, which. I mean, those two albums for me are, like, the pinnacle, the peak of, like, for me, 90s R.E.M. New Adventures in Hi-Fi. No, yeah. I don't know that Another either. album where I can literally just turn it on and listen to the entire album nonstop. I'm always impressed by the bass lines that Bill Berry puts down in these, in these songs. It's just like... But Bill Berry was the drummer. Mike Mills is the bassist, who's like, he's just a fucking genius. He writes all the music. Oh. Yeah. I mean, like, him and him and Michael Stipe write everything. He does, he plays everything, though. He's the bassist, but he's also the keyboard player, Moog player. Like, he, he does, like, everything. Okay. Vocals. His voice is a lot warmer than normally. Yes. Normally, I feel like it's very screechy. Can be. But this is a very different sound. Like, listen to that bass. Like, you hear his bass lines? Yeah, yeah. They're sick. They do everything very well. Love that crescendo. Like, the big one off of this album was the one with Patti Smith, Ebo the Letter. It yeah, it's funny. Like, I, I don't remember the Like, this song was the big one that came out. Like, probably the only single from this album. Because it was him and Patti Smith. Oh, okay. Because she does the backup vocals on the song, and it's like gotcha. one of the one of their best songs. This is very interesting. Off rhythm. I love this album. It's so good. Yeah, it's pretty wild. 
That's all she sings on the whole, just the chorus. Yes! Will you but yeah, like that I said. voice is like so much life and so much experience in that voice. Patty Smith? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just like fucking resonates. I love her too. But like Michael Stipe's voice is like, I think, one of my favorite rock and roll voices because it's so clean and clear and uh, expressive, and his lyrics are just. He's just so good. So good. Somebody that's never sold out, never, like, compromised himself for anything. Like, a real artist. It's pretty rare. Yeah. It's pretty rare. Do you watch any of Lollapalooza? Speaking of artists. That documentary? No, like, just the... It was on Hulu. Um... Live streams of not the, Lala. Of the I, I watched the Wood. Did you see the Woodstock? The Woodstock '99 documentary on oh, HBO Max. No, but I want to see that. Just horrible. Oh no. Well, I mean, it's great, but okay. it's like, but it's also like horrifying to watch because you forgot that they burnt that whole fucking place down. Like the kids just rioted and like destroyed the place. Oh my god. Like nobody even remembers like from our generation. Like I was, people were like, I totally forgot about that. And I'm like, because yeah. they whitewashed it. And they made it seem like it was this great, you know, huge event. It was these guys that organized Woodstock were the same dudes 30 years later trying to connect with an audience of, like, the, you know, the 90s kids right. were so different. And they had it on a military base. Like, it was so just off. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're having this peace, love. Oh, and, I and, see and the that. lineup was, like, all of these super aggro, like, new metal bands. Right. And it was just the weirdest lineup and like and Moby talks about going there and showing up and he was like you know he's like from work booed right Moby's like well he he worked the rave tent and that's all he he stayed in there because they literally just had a rave tent and it just went all night and like that was his where he went and he was like you know he's like I've learned from years of working gigs and going places like within the first five minutes I can tell if it's going to be a disaster or if it's going to be a good show he's like and I was there five minutes. He was like in the vibe there. He was like, it was like nothing I'd ever felt. He was like, it was the angriest, most terrifying, like angry white suburban dude, frat boy, like experience. Oh, he was like, I knew from the get go that it was going to be absolutely awful. And that's what it turned into. Like women were getting raped out and like out in the, in the crowds. Like they didn't have enough uh, fresh running water. They, the porta potties all got overflowed. Jesus Christ! People were literally just running around in shit and feet and piss like the, the entire time, and like for three days. And so, and it was hot. It was like a hundred degrees every day. So you add heat On and alcohol, yeah. and and young like angry white males, dude. Like it was like a recipe for disaster. And then Jesus. you add. Fred Durst basically incited the riot when Limp Biscuit came on because that was the height of their popularity. Right. And he came on and did break shit, and they literally just started destroying the entire place. Like, 400,000 kids started just destroying the entire, like, just breaking everything. And then they started setting shit on fire, and it literally looked like something out of Apocalypse Now. Oh, my God. Anthony Kiedis came on and was like, dude, I, he's like, this is like Apocalypse Now. Like, what he, he was like, the, they were like the last act to come on. And they were like, can you please calm down the fans? And Anthony Kiedis was like, okay. And they went out and played Fire by Jimi Hendrix. (laughs) (laughs) Flees completely butt naked the entire time. Jesus. Yeah, no. But they tried, and then the organizers were such douchebags that they tried to blame the artists when they didn't. They they were charging $4 for a bottle of water in 1999 at at an event like that where you need water. Right. 
Like, it was ridiculous. And the kids caught on to that. They caught on that it was a money grab and that they 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 got duped into paying all this hard-earned money that they'd saved. It was expensive. It was like $180 back then. That was a lot of money. Right, right. Even yeah. for a three-day concert. And they just ride, They just lost their shit because like they didn't have the place set up the way it was meant to be set up. Wow. And it was it was a two hour documentary. It was super eye opening. Like I was just like I was ashamed to like <laughs> to be like part of that. Not only that that era, that generation, but also just to be like a white dude. Like it was just because like all these girls were getting sexually assaulted, and it was like the whole show was all about girls showing their tits, and they had girls going wild there at the time like, when that was at the oh height of its God. popularity. And it was literally just like guys were just walking by and grabbing girls, like groping them, and it was just it was allowed. And they, right. the security there was just these idiots that they were paying, pay, you know, sure, nothing to, to help out. Around. You know what I mean? Yeah, you have to check it out, dude. It's, it's very eye opening. That's fucking horrifying. It's sad, but it's so interesting. It's like a car crash; you just can't look away. Yeah, a long way from a weekend of peace and. <laughs> exactly flowers yeah and then like, what it did was it spurred the other the other um pl- events to plan better like coachella came out the next year and it was basically like woodstock but clean was what they said there was woodstock with like with better facilities because yeah. they figured out that you can't have that many people there and not have basic needs met Otherwise, you're going to have Lord of the Flies type shit go on. Jesus. Which is what happened. It, turned, it devolved into, like, a Lord right. of the Flies yeah, type Yeah, I gotta situation. watch that. But it was so weird to, like, see, like, Limp Biscuit and shit. Like, The Offspring. Like, another, right. Another oh band God. I hated. Yes. Yeah, I really dug them when they first came out, but it got old real fast. Yeah. Like, I, keep I, it separated. Like I the got first tired time. of hearing that song. I just and hated that, that was guy's the song voice. that got me into it. Yeah. His voice is so awful. Yeah. I guess. I, I... It all sounded exactly <laughs> the same. It all sounded just like that. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know I had that album. But I guarantee it was an album that I was like, dude, this song fucking rocks. And then yeah. 30 times listening to it yeah. later, I was like, I can't stand this shit yeah. anymore. It was crazy because they had three days of all these like super aggro male-dominated bands. Literally two musical acts, females, on the entire card. It was Jewel wow. and Alanis Morissette were the only two. Jewel? Yeah. Was that Woodstock 99? Yes. Yeah. And Holy she was, she was like, it was the weirdest, scariest vibe I've ever been in front of. She was like, I don't know, like, it was just so, and Alanis, they didn't interview Alanis Marset, but it was like, you could tell that, like, by the time they came on, like, people were just like, fuck this, like, nobody wanted to hear that shit, you know what I mean? Like, it was just such a, right. I mean, you had Metallica, you had Korn, Limp Bizkit, like, all these new metal bands, mm. and then all of a sudden you have, like, Lilith Fair, like. <laughs> right. <laughs> Come out in the middle of it. Which, you know, which spurred Lilith Fair, because they were like, we want to have an event where, women can feel safe and listen right? to female music right without having to be on the same bill with fucking which Fred I Durst. totally get because you watch some of the, the footage is shocking yeah like guys just walking up just grabbing girls and like girls being passed around in the mosh pit and just like hands all over them dude like, right imagine if that was your daughter you know what I mean like oh yeah. I've always said that like when you when you take heat and men and alcohol and add them together in a in a large crowd, you 
all, all, you're always going to have a bad time. It's yeah. something wrong is going to happen. And I remember when I yeah, went... Nothing good starts You want to hear a funny fucking story? Oh, yes. So, me and my wife met in 2009. I was at a show with... You remember when I dated Liz Gamble? Yes. Yes. Right? Wow. So, we were at okay. a, Me and Liz went to a show at Penn's Landing. And it had to have been 2008, maybe 2007. And it was 311 with that... That remember that guy that was popular, uh, Ma- Matas Yahoo or yeah. whatever, oh, like yeah. that, 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 like I Jewish remember. rapper yep. or whatever. Jewish rapper, yeah, yeah, rabbi rapper. Yes. So it was a huge bill at Penn's Landing in the middle of the God. summertime, right? And Liz wanted to go. I didn't really want to go. I was dealing with like a ton of like anxiety, depression at the time, and I was already like wary about it. Right. And we got there, right? And I was like, right away, my spidey sense, like. From growing up in Delco, I can automatically go somewhere and I can automatically be like, this is not going to be a good time. Like, right. especially things change when you go to places like that and you're by yourself or with your boys. But like when you're with your girlfriend, you have to constantly be on like, I have, I felt I always have to be on like the edge right. of like, because somebody's going to do, you know, I always feel like somebody's going to try to either touch her or hit on her or whatever. Like, so I can right. never relax. So we get there, and sure enough, it's that type of vibe. Like, people have been outside. It's 100 degrees, and people have been outside drinking all day. Right. And, like, I don't drink. I don't do drugs anymore at this point. So it was just, like, the last place on earth I wanted to be. And then on top of that, I was getting crippling, like, weird panic attacks when I was out in public. Fuck. And so, like, we got there, and I didn't have a full-on blown, like, panic attack, but I was pretty fucking close. And I was, like, and I told Liz, I was, like... We, I'm not gonna be able to wait for 311 was like went on we were waiting hours right. and like they got there they were late and I was like Liz I was like I cannot I was like we have to go I was like like I'm gonna lose my shit like I'm gonna flip out because like dudes were bumping into us and like this guy came up to Liz and like literally started hitting on her right in front of me he was so drunk didn't even notice me standing next right. to her and I just kind of looked at him and I was like yo dude and he was just like oh my bad man and I literally watched him go and take on, like, three bouncers, dude, because he was so, like, high on whatever the fuck he was on, dude. Like, this dude was, like, jacked to the gills. Not, like, tall, but, like, he was, you right. know. And he was just one of those dudes that you know when you see in a bar, you're like, that guy's going to cause a problem. Right. And, of course, he hits on my girlfriend in this huge, giant crowd. <laughs> like, these guys are magnets to me. Yeah, he was probably bouncing his way to you. Yeah, right. Everybody and he just, like, goes up and, like, just, like, all over Liz, and I'm just like... I'm like, yo, dude, like, seriously? And he's just like, next thing I know, and I'm watching him, he gets his ass kicked by, like, three fucking bouncers because he went, like, tried to strangle one of them. Like, he was crazy. Like, that that would have been me. Like, right. if I would have, like, gotten his face. And so after that, I was just like, Liz, I was like, I can't, I was like, I can't do it. Like, we, we gotta fucking go. And she was so mad because, like, we missed 311. Like, that's what we were going to see. Right. But I was just like, I can't do it. I was like, I gotta fucking leave. So we leave. And she held that against me. Like, when we broke up, she threw that back in my face. I was like, uh, really? I was like, you're going to throw that? Like, and I never got to see 311. Because of you. You're no fun. You're not dangerous. <laughs> I was just like, okay, whatever. You won't let some jack drunk dude hit on me. Right, right, right. You're not willing to get strangled. She ended up, she ended up get, you know, hooking up with what's his name? That jackass Jonathan, who, who was nice and oh fun and dangerous, like fucking jack off. <laughs> 
So he, uh, which is funny because I, because I, I just ran into, I, I stopped by and talked to Tracy for an hour in Avondale. Are you serious? Yeah, she's she's still the GM at, at Avondale. Oh my god! And we were literally going over like all of the fucking characters that we worked with. Oh at, my at Wawa. god! I, for an hour and a half, I sat there in her office. And we like caught up because it's been 10 years since oh I've seen god, her oh my god I should go in you should she's, I wish she's like you need to visit me more she's like it's pretty fucked up I haven't seen you in 10 years because like last time I was there I brought Krista and my baby Sophia like oh she had god. just been born yeah so anyway <laughs> it turns out so me and Krista are driving to Virginia a couple weeks ago for a wedding and we're talking about like shows that we went to and like old boyfriends and old girl like she started talking about this old boyfriend that she had and so I, like, I started talking about Liz and then it just somehow organically came up about that show. Right. And here she was at the same show oh, the with her douchebag boyfriend at the time, like some drug dealer oh, or whatever shit. that she was sleeping with. And she's like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you slut. And she's, <laughs> she's telling me that she's like, oh, she's like, you would have hated him. He was one of those guys that wears like his sunglasses backwards on his head. I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, I would have totally hated him. Oh, you fucking ruined that. Oh. I was like, I can't even talk to you right now. I was like, how do you go from that to? And I was like, whatever. Oh man. So, uh, but it was so wild because we were literally at this. She was hammered. Like she doesn't remember any of it. Right. And I was at the total other end of the spectrum where I was like stone cold sober and yeah. like having a panic you were like, attack. I remember too much. Yeah. I was like, dude. I was like, you're. It's probably good that you were hammered and. Because it was bad. Oh, my God. I just remember being so hot that day. And just watching people in the heat drink too much. Yeah. It's really, it's a different type of drunk. Like, it's sloppy yeah. and ugly. And men do not respond to it well. Like, girls just pass the fuck out. Right. Guys get fucking belligerent. And, like, just testosterone, like, just goes up yeah. too high. Like, I don't know what it is. But, like, anytime I'd ever, like, we would tailgate for Phillies games in the summertime. And it just, we would get kicked out within like 20 minutes. <laughs> like, we literally, we would. We'd go to the vet or, you know, before it was Citizens Bank Park when you, it was a zoo. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you could do whatever you wanted in the 700s. And to get kicked out of the vet, like, yeah. back, like when <laughs> they were, they, they couldn't <laughs> give away tickets. Stab? They couldn't <laughs> give away tickets to the Phillies games back then. It was like $6 for like the upper oh level. Oh, my God. And we would go in there and get kicked out because we'd be throwing up all over the concourse. You know what I mean? Jesus. Oh, yeah. Me and, like, my four closest friends from, like, Sharon Hill, we all, the one time we got up just so hammered sitting out in the parking lot in the 90-degree weather, and then we were like, oh, it's going on, you know, and, like, my one buddy's puking over here, and my buddy, we're just walking through the Congress throwing up and just acting like that's his normal behavior, and they were like, and it was so funny because, like, the security guards were like, they tricked us. They were like, oh, come on, we want to take you guys down and have you guys looked at you. You look like you're dehydrated or whatever. And they literally take us out and walk us right out the door. <laughs> <laughs> they won't even remember. They're they like, here, go out there. Somebody's going to meet you. <laughs> and we all just walk out. And we're like, do we just get, do they just like passively kick us out of the vet? And they're like, yep. That's pretty much what happened. Oh, which was like the smartest bouncer move because you don't have to totally, yeah, no physical to contact. Yeah, you just trick people into thinking. Which is what my MMA instructor was telling me. He was a bouncer for years, and he was like, "My favorite trick was like, oh, you want to fight? Come on, let's go outside right now." And he would open the door, and they go out and he'd slam the door shut. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah, that's what's up. Yeah, I think that my, probably my worst outdoor 
Because I, I haven't been to too many festivals, and the ones that I went to were not, like, highly attended. But my very first concert ever was uh, live, and right. it was supposed to be Veruca Salt, but the lead singer broke that her leg. That guy from live had a really good voice. Though. He did. I like, I like, I still they like. They were on that Woodstock ticket. Rocking some live, selling the drama. I was like, because we me and Chris were watching, I was like, oh, I remember live. <laughs> I was like, that guy had a Ed, Ed Kowalczyk or whatever his York. name was. They're yep. from New York, yeah. But um, so it, it was supposed to be them and Veruca Salt. Lead singer broke her I leg. I loved Salt. So Catherine Wheel was actually in the area and right. filled in. And like we felt like one of the only people that had even heard of this band because they were they were they were from the UK, but they were an inspiration for the Smashing Pumpkins, which you're, is how I kind of went backwards into Catherine Wheel. I don't want I don't mean to cut you. You're reminding no. me that I think Slater Kenny just came out with a new album. Nice, but, but it was just it was outside. It was at Hershey. It was in. It was probably on October, but it was still like it was still hot. And it was out in the like they did it in the in the football field. So they had the stage on one side, and then it was just the the football field, and then on the fifty yard line was the sound, you know, the whole tech setup right. area. And it was like the biggest it was first concert, but it was also like I, I didn't know what to expect from being in a general admission crowd. Right. And the first like song that started playing when everybody when like the mass just pushed together, and I was like. A, a big kid, even in high school, right? Lifted off my fucking feet. Oh yeah! By the mass of movement of the people around us, that was that was pretty scary. The I went to Lollapalooza when it was when it was still cool. Yeah, I went in '97. Perry Farrell was still running it. <laughs> well, maybe Soundgarden and Metallica. I got yeah. to see Soundgarden that one. And then the next year, actually, it was Corn and Snoop Dogg were on the same ticket. Right. But that was like it was. There was a very small general admission area, and I just we just kind of sat in the seats and blazed the whole time. Yeah. So it wasn't like those weren't really terrible, but the, yeah, that very first concert experience was like kind of scary, like kind like super anxiety driven. Oh yeah, I you're never, out. You have no control at that point. And yeah. no, like didn't even know, like. The first couple of times that I got like elbowed yeah. really hard, I was just yeah. like, "Why?" What, People why are invading are you your. Me? Yeah, it takes a while for your to get used to your space being invaded. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I think I've only ever had fun once or twice in an actual like general admission pit. Right, and it was probably just because I was so into it. it was like Jimmy's Chicken Shack. So Jimmy's Chicken Shack in Ohio, right? Of all places. So you never um, got like the grass seats at the Tweeter Center. N- uh, no, I don't think no? so. In Camden? Mm-mm. You ever been to the Camden? Mm-mm. What? No. Man. No, I never we used really to take, went We used to, to take Jersey. the ferry over, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. From Philly? No, I was. I would go to places like the TLA. The TLA was oh, one I of love the, the, TLA, the bigger yeah. ones. The yeah. Electric Factory Tro- when it was up. But Trocadero. Even the, the Trocadero, I feel like I was at at least once. Yeah, I love that place. I saw. That was the first time I saw Death Cab for Cutie there back in like when they were like. That was a sweet little venue. Oh yeah, uh, I saw Bush and the Toadies at the Tower Theater. Dude, I love the Philly. Toadies. We've we've talked about the Toadies. We have, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we went into like that Toadies hole where we started like going <laughs> we, back through all we their we albums. Discovered and shit. that they yeah. had new albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that up uh, lower side of Uptown is a really good album. Right, it's incredible. I was so surprised. Shiat. Well, all right, we're gonna have to. 
we should probably wrap up. Okay. With your terrifying 311 story. Um. But yeah, I don't know. Next time we'll have to get Brian to come back. Oh and yeah. Talk about. Absolutely. We'll pick a topic. I don't know if we want to do cringe '90s stuff while he's here. I'm sure he's got plenty of <laughs> good cringe stuff. Yeah. That he's come back around on, or maybe stuff that you liked that is now kind of cringy. Yeah. Because I'll be honest with you, I really liked that first Limp Bizkit album when it came out. <laughs> but I was so way into corn and the Deftones. No, the very first one, three dollar bill. Three dollar bill, y'all. Yeah, yeah. That had counterfeit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And fucking. No, they had some good singles. Yeah. Man. But then a significant other, I didn't like at all. That was the second one with break stuff. And all that. Nookie and all that shit. Yes, Nookie. Oh my god. The one song that they did with <laughs> Method Man was really good. That might be on Chocolate Starfish. There was anything after Significant Other, I don't even know. I just remember buying that album and was like, tried to get into it. And it was just too much. So should we end the show with Limp Biscuit? Like, what? Oh god. Well, we don't have to. We should end it with Jewel and just think about her playing that song live. And her beautiful boobies. In front... <laughs> No, she's so hot <laughs> it's such a crush on her she still looks good still looks like she's I, barely aged I like believe she, it. they interviewed her for that documentary and I was like she's still hot this song yeah it was on um, oh yes Significant yep, Other yeah Significant Other is the name of the album yeah. yes with Method Man who could be the I do like this beat a lot this beat's killer dude <laughs> I didn't really like this album at all except for this song. It was a it was a good video too. Doesn't matter what Method Man does. Yeah. He's got the Midas touch. Dude. It's true. He must look back on this now and be like, oh my god. <laughs> what the fuck was I? I was so high. Nah, Method Man would be like, you'd be like, yo man, those white boys were making a lot of money. He's like, I was trying to get it get in on that shit. I got some of their music. I I understood why people liked it, but it was kind of even back then. I remember being like, just kind of snickering at it. Like, right? See, no, I it's was so aggressively like just over the top. Like, I was so into the Faith cover that yeah. they did because that kind of thing, like H two O, it was different. Oh my god, it was different. H two O cover like Baby Got Back, like any of that kind of weird shit. Covered new metal. I was all about it. This this caught my attention when I heard this. Yeah, because I was like, this is kind of cool. And West Borland was like, he's he's a shit. super talented. He is so dope, and he likes Bark Market. Like I love, uh, I loved his look. Like he had such. Yeah. He always looked like an alien up there, and he so was out of place with the rest of these clowns. Like yeah. it was crazy. Like he was the only real musician in the entire band. It's very true. I wonder whatever happened to him. Did he go on and do like producing band. or something? Yeah. Every time, every time Fred Durst wants to do more Limp Biscuit, he winds up coming back to record guitar, but then he pieces out again. Yeah, because he knows he's a fucking idiot. This pretty much also sums up Jacksonville, Florida, in my head as well. Jacksonville, Florida. That's where they're from. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're very yeah. Florida. <laughs> oh, I did love this song, man. I'm trying to remember it. I'm like jogging me my memory. Out, mask counterfeit. 97. This is the year I graduated high school. Yep. Oh, this is a good song. 
Yeah. This the fucking punchy guitar riff is so good. All punchy with the harmonics. It's it's all such a Deftones ripoff. Though. It is. Oh, the bass. Yeah. Now that is impressive bass line, dude. I don't care what you say about the rest of the band. <laughs> He's kind of like Barry Sanders playing for the Detroit Lions for his entire career. Like, what could have been, like, if he was, like, actually in a really good band, like West <laughs> right. Portland? Yeah. Like, you got a bass player like that, and he's playing with this trash new metal fucking band. And it and what's funny is because when they talk about this, on it was a big part of the documentary, the Woodstock documentary, was talking about why were white males at that time so... There was such a, a, a feeling of anger and tension because Kid Rock, oh, yeah. with his... A lot of it was homophobic, and it yeah. was angry, white, like, suburban, middle-class dudes who were handed everything, had no real right. causes to fight for or be angry about. And people were like, why are they so angry? Right. And, like, this music came about. didn't go to Vietnam. That's this music I... came about at the same time, and it was, like, a perfect storm because, like, it just it encapsulated all that yeah. and just gave it an outlet. And, like, it was scary to watch because it was like, holy shit, like, I totally knew dudes like like that were oh, like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. It was then, but then they tried to lump the Deftones in with like these shitty ass new metal bands. And I was like, you can't do that right. because <laughs> the Deftones didn't sing about. They weren't homophobic or right. None of their shit was like super aggro, like breaks. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. No, he was Chino talks about real shit, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every time you don't know mythology. what he's talking about, yeah. but then when you do, he's most of his songs are about relationships and about heartbreak. Yeah, and shit. like whereas this stuff, it's like no. That's what I think is so cool about Idols being like an anti-toxicity metal band, right. you know, like. Right. Because they rock so fucking hard, but they don't have to scream break stuff. They can literally no. scream like, "No, they actually give have a, me a hug." They actually have a real <laughs> political message too yeah. behind a lot of their shit. Oh man, how a fucking no talent asshole like this guy made so much money, right? Have you seen him lately? Yeah, he looks like a uh, like a soccer dad, like in the <laughs> north in the, in the northwest woods. He looks like, like he's about sixty five. He's got like the long hippie. He looks like <laughs> he, he looks nothing like yeah, Fred Durst. Like white hair with a little like goatee. He looks yeah. He looks like a dude that like goes to the coffee shop every morning and like yeah. you know what I mean has like a little dog or something. Yeah, dude, I was so into it. I saw them. I saw them live because they opened for the Deftones. Oh, did you? Yes, it was Taproot. Limp Biscuit and the Deftones, no and shit. yeah, Taproot was okay. They also felt, you know, feel a lot like a Deftones ripoff. But Limp Biscuit um, played for just over an hour, right. and at one point, because they were being compared to Corn all the time, that was the other thing. They lumped Corn in there, and I actually have some respect for Corn as a as a, as a band. You know I mean? do too. They definitely had their their problems, and they definitely like. When you don't let Jonathan Davis writes most of the songs, right, right, right. and when you don't let him just come up with the shit as it comes to him, yeah. when you force him to like make a record, it's like garbage. 
It's just kind yeah. of rehashed stuff. But I think he's got a he had a, dude their first so album. Shit was good, dude. The first album is yeah. amazing. Yeah. I will yeah. still rock it, and I'm yeah. still impressed. It's kind of like with Marilyn the first album was like yeah. fucking ridiculously good. You know what I mean? I'm still impressed with the musicianship and the production on that first album, and the like the range of emotion and and genuine like vulnerability and honesty that comes out yeah. of Jonathan Davis in the middle of this new metal movement. But um. <clears throat> but yeah, so Limp Bizkit starts playing blind. From Corey, they start playing the ride symbol, and like the crowd's going crazy, right? They go through the whole intro, the whole thing. They get right up to the end. He's like, "Are you ready?" And the band just stops, and the whole place jumped up in the air and landed with no sound. And he goes, "Fuck you." Fuck you. And I was like, oh, okay, I like these guys. Like, that was one of those moments where I was like, ah, nice. He's basically like, don't compare us to other bands. Fuck you. And then they went into one of their songs. They interviewed him, and he was just like, I was so fucked up and dehydrated. He's like, I don't even remember, like, that set. Uh, I believe it. He was like, like, I put so much. He was like, they literally had to carry me off the stage and put IVs in me because I was in such bad shape. Yeah. That concert, he was like, I honestly couldn't well, even Well, because they you. were probably also drinking all day. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. you know, in, oh, yeah. in a trailer probably yep. out back. But, yeah. like, so all you got was not the not the heat. <clears throat> yeah. But then the Deftones came on and they just rocked it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I will never... I always remember, even when even though I liked the the birth pangs of Limp Biscuit, I feel like I never got really into his voice it was no, always just shrill and kind of annoying a, it's a joke dude. so it wound up being like i want to like this band because you know there there were parts of it that rocked really hard but plus he was such a dick bag he's such a dick bag and then it was but like, again before i really got like into the internet all i had was like revolver magazine to right. tell me what what artists were like i feel like i never really sought out and then I saw like, and then like they, they talked about Kid Rock and like how, and, and they were like it was such okay, a Kid Rock I never liked. They were like <laughs> talk about they were like talk about the ultimate like I at least feel better with that white appropriation of black. And he's like anytime you see a white guy like going up there and trying to like scratch records and like appropriate black music, right. but, but yet still have a white racist tinge to the music, like it's yeah. and, and like super homophobic like yep. tinge to the music. They're like. It's it makes it even that more sickening. Dude, that, like, scratch that he ever got popular with a with a cowboy hat, no shirt, and American flag pants on. Right, like, <laughs> something is wrong. Like, with this and I just singer. never understood how that guy got popular. I just I hated his music from the very get go. Yep, and I just never and he just got worse. Trailer park phenomenon. Yeah, like, like I just it that's just, who it encapsulated to it. like that whole angry white like racist contingent. But yet, mm-hmm. but yet. All of his music is like half of it is like based on like black music, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's oh, yeah. it's it's totally like mind blowing to me. I like that how that even happens. Yeah. Yeah. Ball with the ball is a straight up ripoff of yeah. you know of a of a hip hop like like a, a cipher standard. He's so bad. <clears throat> I think that there was another band too. Did you ever hear Head PE? I think so. Is H E D Head PE? They they had a couple of really rocking songs, and I dug them. And uh, 
you know, the the lead singer was was mixed. He was white, half white, half black, but he had these like crazy dreadlocks. And I got I got really into them, and then like it all changed when I went to see him at a show because the whole time we were you know we were like in the middle of the Iraq War. In between almost every song, he's like, "We're gonna dedicate this one to the boys in blue, like or no to the sorry to the soldiers overseas." Um, because they're, they're making the world safe for democracy right now. And then they would go into a song, and I was like, oh, that's actually not... Like, I didn't expect you to be all, like, pro-war, yeah. <laughs> new metal band. And, uh, and like, but, but and then it just got worse and worse and worse. And, uh, fuck anybody who's anti-war. We're going to go over there. We're going to kill those motherfuckers. Oh like, it became God. aggressive as it yeah. went on. I was like, oh, no, I can't like these guys anymore. That's awful. Because I, I really enjoyed some of their songs. But then... But then, like, the the next album came out, and I remember there being, like, just just all of the songs are pure, toxic, you know, masculinity. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, oh, this, I'm glad I made that call, man. This dude really is an asshole. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely need to watch this documentary, because, uh... It was super eye-opening. Yeah, it's, it's always something and that sad I... sad at the same time. My wife was like, well, that was depressing. I was like, yeah, it kind of was. <laughs> yeah, I may not even... That might not even be something I watch with Mel. I don't think she yeah. needs to see any of that. Yeah. But I am very curious to, to see the interviews and stuff. Yeah, it was cool because they did get a lot of artist interviews. It was definitely... And it went by. It was like one of those like two-hour documentaries that's like, you're so into it that you don't even realize it's like right. goes fast. Yeah, man, I'll check it out. So, we're wrapping it up. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Little impromptu, uh, little impromptu podcast yeah. on a Saturday. Yeah. You wanna, do you want a podcast today or maybe tomorrow? We're like, fuck it. Let's do it today. Yeah. No, it was good, though. Good to talk about the vinyl that I've been buying and listening environments right. we talked about. And then the Limp Biscuit and New Metal yeah. and the destruction of a generation. I'm going to let Mac Miller take us out. That would be nice. Because... It's a lot of what I've been listening to lately. Till next time. Till next time.